Welcome to the Magnify podcast. Magnify is a platform at the intersection of faith, feminism, and fashion. During these episodes, we have conversations with dynamic individuals that we hope will leave you intrigued, inspired, and informed. How to see challenges as opportunities, not obstacles. Have you faced a challenge this year in your career? When you face these obstacles, do you see them as roadblocks which can prevent you from achieving your goal? And how, in these moments, can we use creativity to change inevitable obstacles into opportunities to innovate? In this episode, we spoke to Dan Blythe, who heads up the creative team at a church called Hillsong London. With all spheres having to pivot in light of the pandemic, especially creative industries, Dan has faced his fair share of hurdles recently. In this episode, he shares how feedback is an integral exercise in all of our careers, as well as why it's important to actively invite people we trust into our lives to critique our work. He also speaks on the creativity we all have within us, which is key to overcoming obstacles and creating growth and progress from them. Let's listen in. Brilliant. Um, thank you so much for chatting to me. I'm really, really excited um, to get into our conversation. Um, yeah, likewise. You'll have a really interesting perspective. Um, so my first question I always like to start with is if you could have dinner with four guests from any time in history or present, who would they be and why? Mm, that's a great question. Um, any point in history. So I'd love to, uh, I mean, it's a bit standard, but Daniel in the Bible just because I think he was a, a bit of a legend when it came to not compromising to modern day, to his culture at the time uh, and changing society. So I'd have Daniel from the Bible. I'd have David Beckham. Growing up, he was always a little bit of a, a role model growing up, uh, you know, in terms of football, but then the fashion and just, I guess, the way he's sort of, uh, you know, done what he has with his life. Um, so, yeah, we'd have David from the Bible. No, Daniel from the Bible, <laughs> David Beckham. Um, Nelson Mandela, um, I think, um, just the way he's operated his whole life. And I love that quote that says, uh, courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not, he does not feel afraid, but he who overcomes that fear. And I've always held so closely to that, just the way, um, you know, he's, he's fought fear and he stepped through it. And so he, he's a huge role model to me. And then lastly, uh, maybe just to mix it up, I'd probably have someone like just Kanye West, just because, you know, as Forbes has just announced that he's a billionaire, there's, you know, you don't just get to where he's got to just by chance. There's obviously a lot of creativity and imagination, and he doesn't seem to live with a fear of man, which I think is pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah, I was reading his GQ interview, which was really, really interesting. Um, so a surprising or weird fact about you? <laughs> surprising or weird fact about me would be when I was a waiter, the first job I ever had, I served Prince Harry and I served him chicken nuggets off the kids menu because it's what he wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Random and weird, yeah. Um, And then finally, how do you switch off and relax? You know, I think this is, uh, it's an ongoing uh, battle. You know, it's an ongoing thing for me to really work out how I do switch off and relax. Um, I think the, for me, the key is to actually have a, a, a finish time, you know, and discipline myself to stick to that finish time. Um, but, you know, I think typically I can always just allow my phone to always be on. I can allow, allow people to always contact me. So it's a work in progress. I'm not clean it. But yeah, my new discipline is to have a finish time, stick to that finish time, phone goes away, and then it's just, you know, chill time. 
Amazing. Um, so I always like to find out how people's kind of childhood experiences shaped them. So what was your childhood like and what were the values that were, I guess, instilled in you then that have shaped who you are today? Yeah. Uh, Mum and dad got divorced when I was about nine years old and I was the eldest of my brothers. So I think I naturally stepped into like a leadership role within the family, especially at home. My mum, you know, did a lot of chores, got the boys in line for that. But then when I used to go to my dad's um, on the weekends, uh, he was, uh, his quote was, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Uh, uh, normally he'd say that when we're washing his car, you know, cause this little <laughs> bit and he's like, like, let's do it. And I remember at the time thinking, dad, you know, why are you such a slave driver? But at the end of the day, I'm so grateful for him because what he instilled in that young age was just a, a decent work ethic. And what I'm realizing is that work ethic, I guess, can be developed, but it's in those younger ages where it really is um, sort of, it's, it's kind of really built into Amazing. And where did you grow up? So I grew up in West Sussex. Uh, my mum lived in a village, uh, which caused me to want to live in the city for the rest of my life. <laughs> and my dad uh, lives and still does on the outskirts of London. Amazing. Um, so when you entered the world of work, um, what did you do? And did you have an idea about how your passion and purpose aligned? I guess the reason I say that is for the first time I met you probably eight years ago now, you're so full of passion and it's actually infectious to anyone who's on a team with you. Um, but was that something that you kind of always knew going into work that your passion and your purpose, you always wanted them to collide? Yeah, definitely not. No. Uh, I mean, when I first went into work, age 15, uh, because I was living, you know, with my mom and my brothers, it was just survival. So it was like, get any job. And then I had to learn to uh, upskill myself and work hard, you know, just to be able to, you know, get by. Uh, and then once um, I went backpacking in Australia and I ended up uh, becoming a Christian there and I ended up going to Bible college there. And it was then for the first time when someone like said to me, you know, so what do you want to do with your life? I'm like, I don't know. And then they started asking questions like, you know, I think you're skilled at this. I think you're gifted at this. And all of that language I'd never heard my whole teenage years growing up. Yeah. Um, but I guess the thing for me was that when I started my first leadership position at age 21 in Canterbury, it was a team of about eight people, all the volunteers. I quickly realized that there's no way you can lead anything just by a dictation. Hey, this is what we're doing. Um, if you're not passionate about something, why would anyone else be passionate about something? And so um, I made a decision that I was only going to ever lead our team into an area which I generally was passionate about. And if I, if I wasn't passionate about it, I wasn't going to fake it. We were just going to, we we're just going to stick to like what we're all, all about. And then, um, yeah, I've never had to try and be passionate. I've never had to sort of try and get myself motivated. I think um, I've always just had a natural passion for helping other people, which really would be the foundation of every single thing that I get to do. Amazing. Um, and can you tell us about what you do now and how you ended up doing this? Yeah, so at the moment I'd be um, uh, sort of creative director of Hillsong UK. Hillsong is a church um, across the globe, but I would look after maybe the churches that we have within um, the UK. And my job is just to uh, lead the creative team. And when I say creative, I'm talking mostly media, I'm talking like visual arts, talking um, social media, graphic design, web, app development, tech. And so right at the moment, uh, we're in a season of COVID-19 when we've had to move our whole church online. So I'm heavily involved in uh, creating that and working with the team that creates that. And uh, it's been the greatest privilege and honour to be part of that. Amazing. Um, and how do you find leading, um, and particularly leading creatives? Because obviously leadership is a huge responsibility in itself um, and also creatives 
is a great privilege, but I can imagine there can be some challenges, but also highlights. So what's that kind of like? Yeah, I, so I've had to learn this the hard way. So I was a youth pastor for about five years, which means that um, my job was just to spend time developing young leaders. And every time I said to one of the young leaders, hey, we could try this, and maybe you could try that, it, it'd help you. They were so responsive and so almost grateful and thankful for my feedback uh, because they wanted to advance and they wanted to move forward. But when I stepped into the whole creative world, what I realized is not everybody wants to be a leader. In fact, I would say majority of the guys I get to work with don't want to be a leader, but they just want to be creators. And so for me, making a, a quick quick shift to make sure that I'm not trying to get everyone to be a leader uh, and just to empower them to create in the best way they can. And so if they are a quiet introvert and all they want to do is sit behind their computer screen and graphic design or edit, you know, my, my job now is to help them be the best editor they can be without trying to turn them into something that they have no dream or desire to be. So we have leaders of leaders within our creative world, and then we have all the actual creators. But what we do do is create a place where they can um, upskill and train other people. So even though they might not be leading people, they've all got a heart to help others. So that would be my, my biggest uh, learning curve with working with creatives. And then also um, just investing heavily in the relationship. Uh, I think if you haven't deposited something positive, then you don't really have the place to be able to critique the work that's being produced. And so I try heavily just to, to know the people that I'm working with. And so if I do give any feedback, I'm not saying it to hurt them, I'm saying it to help them so that as a team that we can fulfill the brief that we've been asked to do and so that we can establish something which is awesome and excellent. Amazing. Um, so why do you think creativity is so powerful is the first part of my question, but also within the context of faith, um, why do you think that is a huge asset? Yeah, well, I think um, God in the Bible is, uh, I think he is creative. He created the heavens and the earth. He created you and me and he didn't use Pinterest or go to Instagram for inspiration. Um, God is creative. And I think as human beings, when we do create, we reflect the characteristics of the father. So um, I think creativity is just something in all of us. And I think sometimes what we, we miss is that, yes, some people are artists, um, but we're all artists in different fields. I, when I see accountants pull together their spreadsheets and they do all their sums, they've created something. When I see a single parent making, coming up with a dinner for their, for their son, you know, that is, that, is creative. That, is, that is creativity. And I think there are so opportunities to create. And I think a lot of our problems um, are opportunities for creativity. The problem is we see them as obstacles rather than opportunities. But, you know, I think if, um, if, we, if we all see our problems as actually these are chances for us to be creative and think outside the box, then we can really, um, we can really sort of uh, move forward in our creativity. So I think it's in all of us. And I'd encourage every single person listening to this to, to think about, you know, what have you got in your hand right now where you can, where you can you know, bring that creativity? Amazing. Um, I love what you said about seeing challenges as an opportunity to be creative. And in the context of faith, why do you think um, creativity is so powerful? Because obviously anyone who's familiar with Hillsong knows that like, the standard of creative excellence is unbelievable. But why is creativity so important to you in terms of expressing faith? You know, I think especially like um, when we talk about creativity, let's just think about the arts, um, you know, and, and maybe some of the, the visuals, the aesthetics. I think it's such a bridge um, into, um, you know, to a bridge to have a relationship with people and just to share uh, what would I, I would call like a message of, of hope, a message of love. I believe that's that's the message we're carrying. It's not, a, it's not a religious routine, judgmental message. It actually is an incredible message. And I think what the arts does, it enables people just to, to maybe hear 
and see uh, in a way which isn't just like a one-on-one conversation. It's, it's, a, it's a window into what it looks like for people who have a relationship with God. You know, all those people who've created stuff, I guess, at that high level of excellence, they've done it not because they're paid to do it, but because they've chosen to do it. And so there's something quite passionate, something quite exciting, not just about the art that is created, but like, yeah, the passion that goes into it. When you think about Michelangelo, who painted, you know, the 16th chapel, you know, here is this guy who's just created this amazing thing, but they've actually found receipts of all the different artists that he paid back in the day. Uh, and these were amazing artists and he did this huge collaboration with them all. They all, they all played their part and then, then together painted, you know, we know just the name of Michelangelo, but there were so many names involved, which no many people will never hear about. Amazing. Um, so working with and leading so many cre- creatives, have you noticed um, anything about creativity and identity? And the reason I ask, I guess when I speak to a lot of um, friends in the arts, that so much of what makes their work great is that they put who they are into it, their experiences and their life perspective. And as great as that can be, it can also be hard, you know, maybe if you get bad feedback, you internalize that as opposed to say someone doing a spreadsheet in the city. I don't know that they would take it so personally if their spreadsheet were critiqued. Um, What have you noticed about the link between creativity and identity in your role? Yeah, I think that's such a, a, A valid question. I think now more than ever, what COVID-19 is, uh, what it's doing is revealing, you know, where we really place our identity because people's jobs are being stripped away. Money's being stripped away. Fame and popularity is being stripped away. And so a lot of people right now are actually struggling. Like I've, I've got phone calls with different friends of, of different creatives who, who are actually struggling because everything that got that gave them their confidence, gave them their self-worth has been gone. And so now I'm just sort of working with them to, to build up their identity in the right places. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was working with my team, and i got got to be honest, like I'll, I'm so grateful I get to work with this team. They're the most outstanding human beings that I've ever met. They create content on such a, a fast level, but also such a, a high level of excellence. But we just have this quote and we just say, make sure success doesn't go to your head and failure doesn't go to your heart. And it might just sound a little bit cliche, but it's so true. You know, like um, what we create can't become so attached to us that the moment that thing is like um, not appreciated or the moment that thing is not seen as, you know, valid, we can't then allow a whole world to come, you know, crumbling down and, and that's what we have seen in the past people who put their identity in their creation the moment that their creation is not valued um and that maybe it's sort of has some uh, critique to it then uh, they can't take that and then that's it i'm out and then just leave and and um i think there's something quite powerful about in a family dynamic having people around you who can speak the truth and uh, they're not saying it to, to hurt you they're saying it to help you and i think you need to always invite those people into your world uh, feedback you know sure it does come from your boss and your leader but sometimes you actually need to get outside your comfort zone and say can you give me some honest feedback and allow that to come from a relationship amazing um because i remember actually listening to rick warren a few years ago and he was saying particularly often within faith contexts, we can be guilty of wanting to be so nice to people that we don't give feedback even if it's in relationship and I think yeah creativity and being able to receive feedback I know it's definitely something that I've had to grow in um, and not take it personally but when you know the people around you actually genuinely care and love for you that you can also be proactive so that in asking for it so that you can improve Um, that's it 
Do you find pressure in creating? And if so, how do you navigate that? Because speaking to different people, I know some people really thrive under pressure and deadlines um, and other people that just does not work for them. So do you find a pressure in creating? Yeah, absolutely. There's um, a lot of pressure. Uh, I'd I'd say I can't really remember time when we were creating as a team when there wasn't pressure. Um, I remember Brian Houston was asked, do you ever feel overwhelmed? And his response was, oh, I live in overwhelmed. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, um, you know, I feel like that a lot of the time as well. You know, we, we're, we're doing so much and there's so, there's so much to achieve. But yeah, I think when it comes to the pressure for me, if I was doing everything um, in my own strength, yeah, I'd definitely buckle. But I, I've got, I got two, I got two things. I've got, I've got God and he's my go-to. And so I'm like, I go to him first and then I go to the team. And I'm like, Hey guys, just so you know, it's all for one and one for all. So you might be a graphic designer. And you might be a videographer, but we're gonna we're gonna come up with ideas together how we're gonna get through this and how we're gonna achieve this. And I think as soon as you create just that space for people to use their imagination and to get fresh ideas, it's amazing what you can achieve. Um, you know, when you don't care who gets the credit. And so, yeah, I would definitely say for me, the way I cope with pressure is I go to God, then I go to my team, and then we always just seem to get through. Incredible. Um, yeah, I love that hearing about the spirit of collaboration. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about um, the world post COVID-19 and how that will kind of change our values and potentially change the arts and how people engage with it. Um, within your field, what impacts do you foresee um, this pandemic will have on how people engage and also create? Yeah, well, I think this is the day for creatives to um, to step up and um, to step into the new opportunity. Uh, and so I think for us as creatives, uh, I think it's time for us to look to the young creatives, like the 15, 16-year-olds who are creating anyway. They're creating on TikTok, they're creating on Instagram, and they are outstanding in the, what they're producing. So I think it, we need to start collaborating with the younger generation and give them opportunity to step up. Uh, and then I think when we come out of COVID-19 or out of isolation at least you know, we're going to be meet, meeting in um, in small groups uh, and so whatever we create is going to be I guess beamed into those houses and people can like have dinner together which I actually don't think is you know a bad thing like imagine if it was just like small groups three weeks you know three weeks of the month and then once a month we, we gather together at the O2 yeah. or you know maybe we we met in venues of 100 across the you know across the UK and uh, you know, I've got, I've got no idea what it's going to look like, but what I am enjoying is that right now we're in a space where we're thinking, you know what, we don't need to try and just recreate what was. Maybe, yeah. maybe there's something new on the horizon. I think that's amazing because um, I know even with Magnify, I've been thinking it's not just about bringing the same things in the same format from physical to digital, but actually how can we use this as an opportunity to reimagine? Um, and yeah. I think as creatives, particularly when that's like our full-time job within the arts, you're always under pressure for deadlines. So there's not always the time to actually just say, I'm going to stop and think and dream and imagine how things yeah. can be different. So yeah, in a way, this has provided an amazing opportunity um so i wanted to ask you about creativity and leadership and character um and i guess in society we often see that when people have very kind of um obviously everyone is talented but talents that maybe sadly sometimes we prize above others so those in the arts or those in sports that as um influence and responsibility and kind of visibility grows that sometimes 
people's character is not really kind of kept accountable. So as you've grown in influence and responsibility, how have you always made sure that your character has matched up? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, and it's right, before we even start talking about how do you build a team when um, you're given equal opportunity to um, character rather than just skill, it's so important that we always just look at ourselves first and be like, how do we do that? How do you build that in ourselves? Um, I've always just really worked on my circle and my circle would just be you know the five closest friends to me and i'll make sure that if they see anything that even maybe even comes across arrogant or maybe it comes across entitled uh, maybe it comes across selfish i'm like even if you even if you know my heart you know i don't mean it like that if you see it coming across like that i just want you to i just want you to let me know i just want you to call me out and um what i love is that um when it comes to communication and actually like working on your own character uh my wife will be the first to tell me like feedback as well she, she's she's awesome in that area but um you know this guy called albert merrivin did a study and he said five percent of it is words 45 percent of it is body language and 50 percent of it is tone of voice and he says the problem today the problem today is that when we communicate by text and email, uh, you're just getting the 5% and so much gets lost in translation. So it's so important that we actually have conversations which are face-to-face. And I'm saying that to say the reason I feel like my character has always been kept in check because if I had a friend who just emailed me or texted me saying, oh, you shouldn't have said that or done that, I would have totally just you know, got annoyed and probably wanted to distance myself from that person. But the mm-hmm. fact that the people in my world have said, hey, Dan, do you want to just go for a drink? And then I had a proper chat and we just sat down and we just, you just given me the time to actually like process. Um, that's the thing that's enabled, I think, me to, you know, keep my character in check. And no one's perfect. Uh, there's always going to be, um, you know, good days and bad days, good weeks and bad weeks, good years and bad years. But I think the key for me is just making sure you've got that circle around you. You know, you can't choose your family and that's cool, but you definitely can choose your friends and that's the closest five, five around you. Amazing. Yeah, I love how much you've spoken about within creativity and, and character and identity. Just so much of it comes down to relationships. Um, so although the arts can be subjective, creative output is often made for an audience. How do you, um, I guess, kind of stay pure in the creative process without letting how people respond um, kind of dictate like the way that you manage the creative process. And I guess my thinking is say when you see artists with like their first album, often that's like amazing and very pure to who they are as an artist. But then say if they've got a number one, the next album then kind of feels that it's catering to the audience rather than being authentic to who that person is. So yeah, yeah. how have you kind of navigated that? Yeah. Uh, again, I think that's such a good question. Uh, and it's really about, uh, I think your circle, what happens is is that I see people step into a new platform and their first thing that they release, the first thing they design, whatever, it's very true to themselves. And yes, you do see it just change over time. And I think it's that whole thing about the circle, who you got in your ear. If you've got people around you, people in your ear, who don't know your core values, who don't really respect you for who you are, then of course that core circle is going to push you into a place where you become someone who you, who you don't want to be. And so I, I think it's very, very careful that you listen to the to the voices uh, that may be, um, you know, talking about the stuff that you got. Uh, I think for us as, as a church, so we create and when we create, we're not trying to be ahead of the game. So let's just say you've got the innovators, the trendsetters, the trend followers and the mainstreamers, right? The dream, of course, would be for us all to be innovators where we come up with stuff that no one has ever seen before. Literally, we just spend some time dreaming and imagining and then we just put it out there and look, there you go. You've never seen anything like it, but it's amazing. But I guess for us as a church, um, 
we're not in that place right now. We're in a place where we don't want to be ahead of the curve. We just want to be on the curve. So it's something that is um, so, something that's aesthetically um, really backing up the message that we're trying to put out. But it's it's on trend. So I guess if you buy anything from Topshop or Zara and H and M, you're not a trendsetter. You're a trend follower. Like me, I'll put my hand up. Um, what that means is that there's no risk in wearing stuff when it's at H&M and Topshop. You know, it's when you wear stuff which has just come out from the catwalk, which no one has ever seen before, that's when there's a risk because not because people don't know that stuff's on trend, right? So what I'd love to see, and I guess, you know, I don't know if this is really answering your question, but it's, it's just in my mind. I think with the whole media collective and the media world, I, I want to create a space for those creators to go and do stuff which hasn't been seen before. I love that. Um, and something I know I've definitely wrestled with is like remembering my why in terms of, I think for any of us, particularly in the arts, you want to, in a sense, it's natural to want affirmation or recognition, um, but that can also be dangerous. Um, is competition or the desire to be recognised by your peers or the industry something that you've ever wrestled with or maybe people that you lead, that's something they've wrestled with and maybe what advice would you give? Yeah, I think, um, I think everybody's got all of that inside of them, like just this natural competitiveness. Um, but the thing key is, is not to compete with someone on your left and your right. The key is just to compete with you yesterday. And I think if you're always just competing with yourself and, you know, and what you've produced up to this level, then you'll always be moving forward. I think, you know, comparison is, um, comparison is the thing that stifles, um, creativity. And, um, if you want to be the best in your field, like there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't think you're going to be the best in your field by comparing yourself with the best person in your field. You're just going to become the best person in your field by just keep getting better, doing better today than what you did yesterday. Uh, and so, yeah, I just, you know, I, I imagine like horse blinkers, you know, the, the little things that cover the horse's eyes as they're running in the lane. Uh, me personally, like I've always been quite focused on just running in my lane and not trying to be something that I'm not and not trying to compare you know, myself with anybody else. And there's so many areas where you could compare yourself, but I think that's the thing that comes from having that healthy identity and knowing who you are is that you're not always comparing yourself to other people. And so, you know, if someone comes up on your Instagram and you see their work, instead of feeling encouraged for them, you feel negativity towards them. You know, if someone, um, you know, does something, gets an opportunity that you would love to have and you feel jealous about them, uh, you feel jealous about that situation. It's a, it's a real, it's a, that's an indicator to you right now that actually, you're not in a healthy place when it comes to your identity your confidence and your self-esteem so what a great opportunity you know through being isolation just to really work out who you are what you believe work out your why and then you just run you know as soon as we're out you run out the doors with blinkers on your eyes not looking to your left and your right right and just doing you know everything all the living out those dreams that are in your heart amazing um so i want to move on to faith so how did you come to faith and what does it mean to you yeah uh, so I was backpacking in Australia um, and uh, I was there to, to party and just to live life to the full. Uh, and on the first day, I met some Christians who looked and sounded exactly like me, just like normal people. But after spending one week with them, we went surfing, went to a party, went to watch the rugby. And by the end of it, like I could just see there was something different about them. Um, I lived for the weekend. Uh, they lived for something much greater. I lived for the moment and they definitely live for significance and so uh when i asked them you know what is it about you they just said oh got a relationship with jesus and i'm like i, I want to know him so i did became a christian changed my life and every day of being a christian since then has really just reaffirmed that that was the best decision of my life 
Wow. Um, and given faith is in essence part of your job and career, how do you not get fatigued um, or routine in your relationship with God? And I know like over the years, speaking to so many friends who work in Christian organisations, this can sometimes be hard because the lines become blurred. But how have you kind of made sure that hasn't happened? Yeah, I think my relationship with God is like a relationship with a with a human being in terms of, you know, when I met my wife, um, you know, I started to get to know her. So we spent a certain amount of time together. But as I fell more in love with her, I wanted to spend more time with her. I wanted to find out more about her. I wanted to, um, you know, I w- wanted to build that relationship. And it was the same with my relationship with God. You know, when I when I started in a relationship with God, it was quite minimal. You know, I might pray here and there, I might read my Bible here and there. But the more and more I found out who he was, the more and more I found out how much he loved me, I realized I fell more in love with him. And then uh, that relationship, you know, I just naturally like want to spend some time, you know, reading about him. And I want to spend some time, you know, just like, you know, like just think, just thinking about him and, and, and in prayer and stuff. And so it's, it's come naturally. It hasn't have to be like a, a, a like religious routine or ritual. I just, I've just naturally built my relationship with God. And over time, um, I've just enjoyed spending more time with him. Amazing. Um, and, what are some challenges that you face maybe in life or work and how has your faith played a part in that? Yeah. You know, there's, there's always been so many challenges. Um, There's been times when um, I was maybe in a, in a role or position and I felt like dismissed and overlooked. And that was awesome for me because I learned that, you know, I can't build my identity in, um, my role or my title or my position or accolade. And so as much as that season was hard for me, it was actually, um, it actually strengthened me. There's been times when um, my wife's health hasn't been uh, awesome and it's caused maybe stress and burden on our family. But again, in that time of pain and suffering, it's caused me and my wife to draw closer together. It's caused us to draw closer to God. And again, we're in a much healthier place from it. So, you know, our challenges as, as overwhelming as they were in the time and the season, they've actually been our greatest asset because they've caused us to become stronger. You know, just like when you go to the gym, you know, you want to get more gains, you need to lift heavier weights. And what I'm finding in life, the older I get is the more you just be okay with the hard seasons and you, you allow God to use them. He can turn them around for good. Amazing. And my final question, you kind of touched upon it a little bit, but how does your faith impact um both how you see work and creativity. Yeah, my, so my faith is, you know, I, it's my faith is not a priority list with like Jesus at the top and then it's my work or then it's my family and then it's da 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 It's like, for me, like my relationship with Jesus is in the center and he influences every single decision of my life. Every decision is, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, like what would Jesus do? You know, like I, I, I still do make decisions. Like what would Jesus do? Oh yeah, he would forgive. He wouldn't hold a grudge. What would Jesus do? Oh yeah, he would love that person. Oh yeah, what would Jesus do? Yeah, he would be inclusive, not exclusive. And so I'm constantly thinking that and that's how he affects my work. And so, yeah, uh, my relationship with God fully, uh, you know, impacts my my creativity because um, when I when I hit, let's just say, a creative block, and when I say creative block, what I mean is like I'm like I've got a problem and I don't know how to get through this. Just like Daniel did in the Bible, he prayed to God and God gave him wisdom and showed like the, the people in society what they needed to do. And there's been times, even in current. COVID-19 season where I'm like, God, I just want you to show me what to do. And I, I feel like he's just revealed, he's just dropped certain thoughts into my heart, into my spirit. And and those are those are ideas which come from him. So I feel like he definitely, I feel like 
everything that I'm doing right now is, is just is, is a result of just spending time with him. And so I don't care what I do in the future. I used to have all these goals like, oh, in 10 years, I want to do this. 15 years, I want to do this. And I want to go there, speak here, whatever. I just had to put a big cross through everything. I'm in a place in my life where I got no idea what the future holds, but I don't actually care because I just know that he's the one who kind of holds the future. And I'm just happy to see what doors he opens next. Wow, amazing. Thank you so much, Dan. I'm really, really excited um, for this. And I, you know, was right that your perspective would be fascinating. Um, So thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from this, go ahead and share this with them. Also, don't forget to rate and review. It really helps us out. See you next time.